They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number three of season number two. We are exclusively on this season looking at the tier three list of movies. 80 plus movies which weren't notorious or dangerous enough to be out and out banned in this country but were instead added to an advisory list of, of things circulated to law enforcement that said, you know, if you see this movie, you might want to confiscate it. Joining me on this entire season is my co-host, a man who, uh, I, I feel we're on the upswing, I feel like we've we've landed a bit better. I feel like this is the episode that should have started things with, and then we would have had a kind of, a, a, a modicum of of optimism rather than the first two episodes which were devoid of such uh, is my very good friend and podcasting colleague Mark Ball how are you doing sir Duncan can you imagine a world where like people actually made a big deal out of like fucking movies that people would rent like look looking at things like how the world is going right at this very moment can mm-hmm. you even fucking fathom <laughs> making a big deal out of something like invasion of the blood farmers to the point where you're going to throw somebody in jail. Does this just seem so fucking trivial and stupid at this point that this was ever a thing? There was not a lot happening in 1984, Mark, in fairness. <laughs> like, really, 1984 a lot more was, time on their hands. It went a lot, a lot more time. Cocaine was rife. Uh, Wall Street True. was on a was on a roll. Thatcher was in office, and so was Reagan. So it was all about spend, spend, spend. And when you're in a spend, spend, spend materialistic culture, Mark, um, the the right needs something to be outraged by. And what better way to be outraged than than movies? Movies that people can rent. How dare they have entertainment? They should be working, creating more wealth for the wealthy. How about that for a start? <laughs> I did see that Pornhub is giving away free premium uh, accounts this month, so it's it's kind of it's kind of turned turned itself around. Whereas yep. now now we like have to give smut away free to people. They don't they don't go pay exorbitant amounts of money for a VHS tape at their at their local <laughs> shop. Now now we're just here. Here's a wheelbarrow full of fucking smut and porn. Here you go. Yeah, they're giving away things. Aud- uh, Audible's giving away like thousands of free books. Certain record labels are putting albums up to stream for free or like... Uh, Shudder, both, both the movies we're talking about tonight yeah. can be found on Shudder. I think you use the code SHUT IN, Shut in. For, like, yeah. for 60 days free, something like that. It doesn't apply if you're already a customer, which I think is kind of lame. It kind of makes me want to like cancel my cancel and then renew. deal and get, get to, basically. <laughs> I saw people doing that with Adobe Creative Cloud right now. I think you can get two months of that for free and all you have to do is if you already have an account, shit can it and get it. A new one and you got it for free and you can become a little little video editor photo editor what, what have you we're, yeah. we're, we're we're surviving you know it's not like we're trapped in a fucking winnebago out in the middle of the fucking mojave <laughs> desert where it's 120 degrees shooting a 
16 millimeter movie which real quick one of my favorite things i learned about one of these this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit but um one of my favorite things i learned about the hills have eyes for this this show is that the cameras were rented from a well-known pornographer in los angeles Mm-hmm. which very much lends to the the gritty almost pornographic look of this movie that, that was like one of my favorite things I learned yeah like, the, eventually, I'm like that makes yeah. so much sense yeah I mean and, and you know Wes Craven I mean Wes that's what he did before he became like an, a, an actual film director as he worked in softcore porn so he was a he was a teacher <laughs> he was he was a professor teacher English teacher and also his first couple of directorial debuts were softcore porn so he knew people <laughs> like he knew people that had cameras uh, just lying around and uh, i mean this movie even like when the mpa got their hands on the hills have eyes it was given the porno rating um yep. for violence and then they had to go and, and do the old hack job on it to get it down to a, an acceptable r and nowadays like films are daring themselves to push to an r rating it's like how the world has fucking changed man honestly yep. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. When you watch a movie like The Hills of Eyes now, you're like, yeah, that would have been like a 15. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I would have swung right through with no cuts at all. And it would, it's just a, diff, it's a different time, Mark. It's, a, it's yep. a, a different... Which is, I think, in a lot of respects, the beauty of doing a show like this is, is you get to watch these movies and then try and put yourself in the mindset of someone that had never seen exploitation or horror cinema in 1984 and was sitting down and this was their introduction. And no wonder it blew their tiny little minds. They just never, never had... I couldn't fathom that anything like this actually existed. And it's why so many, you know, misconceptions about the, the damage these movies were doing. Even down to, like, there's that famous... Well, me and Andy Block, we used to talk about it all the time. Um... Sir Graham Bright, he was made a fucking sir in the UK, because that's what happens over here. You, you are an absolute complete fuckhead, and then you get knighted. <laughs> Arise, sir fuckhead. Um, so uh, he he's the famous person who not only thought that Snuff, the movie Snuff, was a real Snuff movie, genuinely thought someone had been murdered, and then they just released it for public consumption because... Yeah, uh, but he also believed, and he's the famous quote in the, the intro music that says, "I om- I always, I, I also believe that this does damage to dogs." He thought that if dogs saw the movies, then dogs would become violent. Um, <laughs> that's it. He really fucking said that. He's quoted as saying that, and on the video nasty doc, um, he actually stands by it. And even in like 2015, he was still like, "Yes, I still believe that." And I'm like, "How are you? How do you function?" Like, who would trust you with like a fucking care package, let alone like the, the you know the, the what we're seeing as far as entertainment goes is in this guy's hands. Yeah, yeah. This is this is on it. It, it, it blows the mind. Um, I'm really excited about episode number three because we have trudged through four movies of questionable quality to arrive at the first episode here where moving into this this show I was like I've seen both movies before a couple of times so I'm familiar with both of them and I knew for a fact before we were even before I even sat down to watch them again for this show that I actually liked both the movies so I was like we are in a we are in for a win right now and then you told me on the last recording I've never seen Mark of the Devil and I was like oh delicious uh, like, I, like I cannot wait to see 
what you make of this because Mark of the Devil has a, a ton of baggage that comes with this movie as well so uh, yeah. and we, we will we will get into some of the juicy gossip behind the scenes before we get to that though um, and I do like to kind of pivot a little bit of a conversation at the start of these episodes um, have you seen anything recently that has uh, has sparked your, your your imagination as to this is kind of uber violent I wonder if blah 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 maybe potentially video nasty blah 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 you know, I'm gonna go with probably fucking not. Hmm. Uh, I've I've watched very very little in the last about two weeks. We're recording this uh, March 22nd, yep. the second to last Sunday of March, and this has been a supremely fucking weird month. Uh, <laughs> definitely, the last two weeks have been positively the most stressful surreal fucking weeks that i can remember since september 11th yeah. uh so i've been it's been it's been really hard not to be glued to our phones and be getting fucking bad news by like the hour as far as what's going on in the world right now um, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be listening to this like three years from now and be like, "What a bunch of pussies!" Just <laughs> yeah. wait until just wait until 2022 or so, yeah. man. You have no idea what's in yeah. store for twenty the COVID twenty twenty two makes COVID twenty nineteen feel like a sniffle. Well, and the fucking you know Spanish flu came back about three times. So like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's been super weird. I haven't really. I'm struggling. We were supposed to have a watch party of the Glenn Danzig movie this weekend. Oh, God. (laughs) um, Which I've heard nothing but, like, that it's one of the worst fucking movies that a lot of people have seen. And I've seen people really excited about that fact. Like, it's a a new, you know, a new Plan 9, a new The Room, a new Troll 2. But I've also seen people like, how the fuck did this headline sin apocalypse in fucking Chicago when there was, like, a hundred, like, good movies that could have played I, I will tell you this, you will see, I've seen it, and I will tell you right now, you will see things in that that you have never seen before in cinema. It is, it is a wholly surreal, bizarre experience, front to back, and it's, it's not good, but you will, <laughs> like, but you will, I'll tell you this, I could not take my eyes off the screen until it finished. Like every well, time I a, thought, that's pretty positive to me. Yeah, every. I mean, I'm so glad I watched it, and I like. I am 100% in for his next movie, which is was just like a vampire western starring Julian Sands. I like you have me in, like on that. Like you've Julian Sands and a vampire western movie. Tick tick tick. Sign me up front row seats. But it is it is a movie which uh, he's, he's clear. He's not a. He's, I don't think he understands cinema and to be honest I think that's to his benefit in that he approaches it from a, a perspective that you you will be entertained from front to, to back with that movie um, just like the way you would generally critique a movie I don't think you can apply it to what you'll see on the screen it's just not like that <laughs> well, I, get re- I get really excited when you say that like you don't think Danzig understands movies or mm-hmm. like especially like how horror movies work it makes me think of a movie that I saw at Telluride last year called The Deeper You Dig which was made by a family a mother daughter uh, father group and this was about their fifth feature but it was their first horror movie that they'd ever done and you definitely get the impression watching it that it's like it's absolutely it's 
I'd say it's about 90% free of like the typical cliches and tropes that we get in a lot of horror movies. And I think that absolutely works to its advantage mm-hmm. like a hundredfold because you get a almost two hour long movie that is like really well done, but really not like anything you've ever seen. And that gets me really excited. You know, I would rather see something that's kind of subpar, but wholly unique as opposed to something that's really well done, but really kind of a fucking retread of things that we've got, you know, over and over and over again. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff that excites me, I think, is, is the, the weird shit that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite movies a couple of years ago, the year was um, a little movie called Evil Within. And Evil, yeah. Yeah, and that is, I mean, the, the story behind that about, you know, this this guy who inherited money from his oil family who invested millions in a movie and died because of basically an addiction to speed Um, and then his producers picking up the project and piecing it together and sitting and watching that movie and all the weird dream logic that shouldn't fucking work in a movie uh, and the stop motion animation that they like all this weird shit that was flung in that should not go in a movie and I come out of it going like that it's a wholly unique experience and when you are kind of saturated in a, a genre and an industry making films which is for the most part not all movies but for the most part is a box ticking exercise of does it have jump scares you know if it's a possession movie does it reference the exorcist does it have any you know, it's all these things that the big set pieces that you need depending on what subgenre you look at for someone to come in and maybe not understand that or not know that and then come out with their version of a movie it's why like when like j-horror was becoming so prevalent in the very late 90s early 2000s it, it terrified people because they just for them that's how they make horror cinema to us we'd never seen horror cinema like that like the, the concepts and the stories and the way the ghost stories were told and all the rest we're just like nightmare feel over here, but if you live in Japan, it's all deeply rooted in their culture, and to them it might not have the same scare impact, it's just a ghost story to them, but over here it was like that movie that scarred a generation. And I think right. that's I think that's the cool thing, I think you're right, and I, I, like, I will say this, like, the dancing movie, and I can't stress it enough, is not a good movie, it's not a good movie at all, but Pieces isn't a good movie. I will watch Pieces any day of the week and twice on Sunday and I will tell you right now the dancing movie I will sit back down and watch again at some point down the line with a group of friends and not by myself so I can get the the vicarious kick of laughter as I watch them going what the fuck have I (laughs) what did he just do there because the movie is full of just what and and like if you if you're programming a festival if that's the headlight movie part of me is like fucking fair play to you not to pick something by an obvious kind of choice or you know I should have put fair play to you pick Danzig and if that's what Danzig wants to do I think he's earned enough goodwill and cred to to, to be the new Tommy Wiseau if he wants to um, it's, it's, it's a weird one is it like I imagine the next next month when we record episode 4 you'll be like so watch that Danzig movie Duncan and <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts uh, I don't think the, the weird thing is I've watched a lot of movies but I don't think I've seen anything 
like on the extreme side. Since we last chatted, um, I went off and did Fright Fest in Glasgow. Uh, so, oh yeah. So I got a chance to see some pretty cool movies. Uh, and ones that, if you don't listen to podcasts under the stairs, dear listeners, let me recap some of what I saw uh, and give you uh, kind of cliff notes as to what I think you should keep your eyes open for because there was quite a lot. This year was probably the best year um, of movies that I've, I've seen since since I started going. Uh, kicked off with Synchronic, which is a new movie by the guys behind The Endless and Resolution. It's really fucking good. It's really, really, really good. And it's a kind of high recommend from me. It's all about a, a hallucinogen that you take that induces time travel. So, and I will say no that, more that's, about that. That's, that sounds amazing. I totally missed that one at Fantastic Fest for some reason. I think I was watching something else at the time it played. In, fair, in fairness to you, they've recut the movie since then. Oh, so it's that's... A, apparently a completely different... They spent they basically spent all their savings to recut it. Uh, to the version it is now so and that's the version that will be making its way out so had you seen it you would have seen a different version to what i saw so that, that's always weird that's happened a few times like i think the version of the movie revenge that we saw had some some additional edits to it after after it came out so yeah so sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a bad thing because i, I want to see the version that i remember fr- from the festival yeah. and whatnot but yeah because the festival like festival goggles are a real thing you know what i mean like you oh absolutely you come out of festival going this movie's fucking amazing and then you watch afterwards and you're like what the fuck and then vice versa you know like maybe you're tired maybe the crowd aren't necessarily into a movie it tempers your expectation of it and your viewing of it and then you see it later on yourself and you're actually like well this movie's got a lot more in it than I remember um, The Cleansing Hour is worth checking out when it comes Shudders acquired that one uh, it's a kind of <laughs> the way I described it is it's like a, a gnarlier gorier repossessed Lens of Neils. Oh no! No, it's, oh, not, it's, no. Not, it's not an out-and-out comedy, but as a <laughs> we're, we're doing a we're, there's comedic moments. It's like a a guy who is clearly faking exorcisms for his YouTube channel, and then he goes okay. he goes to do one, and actually a really bad demon possesses a person that that he's doing the work on, and it gets gnarly and pretty fucking gory. So it's worth it's worth checking out for sure. Um, sea Fever, when that makes its way out, people should check that. It's got Degree Scott in it. Um, it's kind of like Alien, but on a ship. <laughs> like on a okay. seafaring ship with like a parasite that like embodies you. So it's, it's really fucking good. Um, the Mortuary Collection was the tits. It's maybe the best anthology I've seen in a while. Um, I have seen that one. I, I saw it at midnight. I thought Clancy Brown was fucking delightful yeah. as our basically our crypt keeper <laughs> <so good>. character. <laughs> but I don't. I honestly, I think I saw this at midnight when I was super tired and a little bit drunk. So I, I really barely remember what a lot of the <laughs> anthology. There's one involving like a bathroom or something. That's the very first one. That's the very okay. first. Yeah, the very first one's the bathroom. Uh, I don't remember any of the rest <laughs> of them, so I might have to go back and rewatch this one. Yeah, the the second one involves a man's dick exploding. Um, like full on dick explosion, and I was like, oh, "Okay, it's in, it's in the fraternity home." That's dudes, right. Like, See, you're back. Okay, you're okay, back. okay, I remember. Yeah, it's coming back to me slowly. <laughs> you're back. You're back. You're back. Um, what else did I see? Uh, butt boy. You... I missed that also at Fantastic Fest. Oh, it sounded dude. super bizarre. Dude, has played one hundred percent straight. <laughs> like, that, that, and it's it's fucking it's about amazing. a dude that it's it's kind of about a dude that like eats things with his ass 
at, yes. with his ass yep. and shoves things in his ass. Oh, man. It, yep. It's like a crime detective kind of thing, yep. too. Played 100% oh. serious. As, I hope that's getting a release here soon, because yeah, that was one I was bummed I missed. I, you're, you're, excuse the pun. Excuse that obvious pun, Mark. Bummed you missed it. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, I believe um, it is on VOD as of next month. In okay. America, anyway. April is the, April 2nd, I think, or April 3rd. Uh, for the release date, uh, Zombie on Sale. Which is, or AKA the Odd Family Zombie on Sale. Arrow's acquired this. It's a South Korean zombie comedy and it is fucking excellent. I mean, it's right up there. It would pair so well with One Cut of the Dead. Um, nice. It's, it's so, so funny. Very quirky. L- loved everything it did. Uh, almost got like a full on standing ovation at the end of it. Um, the whole crowd was in it. Saint Maud, which I know you have seen, which it, yes. it's going to take a act of God, pun totally intended, for that not to be my favourite horror movie this year. Um, Do not watch the fucking trailers if you haven't already. Uh, Just go into that thing as blind as possible and you're going to get your shit rocked. It was fucking incredible. It, it reminded me so much of, like, there was elements of it that reminded me so much of Under the Skin. Like, just the way the scores played and the unsettling feeling when nothing's really happening on the screen. <laughs> I was just like, this is creeping me the fuck out. It, it, it played very well. Um, a little movie, you may have heard it before, it's by a, a fairly unknown director called Joe Bigos called BFW. Yes. Rock uh, my an- world. An- another one of my favourites from this. I saw it in Telluride in October last year. Yeah, it's, it's fucking excellent. It would make a really good double feature with this other movie, Bliss, that I oh, yes. shot with the, the extra footage they had left over. Um, yeah, I think he fucking killed it last year with those two. Those I've, are such good movies. Two back-to-back, like, absolute gems of, of kind of genre cinema. Um, and if you get the chance, I'm recommending people don't watch it, but I would love to... I've already recommended this not to be watched. Wink, wink. Don't watch it. Wink, wink. Don't watch it. Uh, a, a thriller called Anderson Falls. Right? Never heard of it. It's a serial killer thriller um, in which uh, Sean Ashmore... Remember Sean Ashmore? He's a fairly good actor. Um, and Lynn Shea is in it as well. And I was like, why is Lynn Shea in this fucking movie? And Gary Cole... <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, A movie that dares you to give a fuck about anything that's happening, which handles the psychoanalysis um, of a serial killer by a cop getting pictures. This movie hates women, by the way. The the cop basically, Sean Ashmore, gets pictures of dead women, puts them on the wall, writes, I hate you in red ink on them, and then screams, I hate you! I hate you! At their face for... what we imagine is a couple hours till his partner arrives and his partner comes in and he's like that I finally understand the serial killer <laughs> so fucking shit oh, I'm having love butcher flashbacks all oh, of a sudden it, is, it was one of the most tawdry shit movies I've seen and it has money behind it that was the depressing thing it had like serious cash behind it and it just yeah. was not very good but yeah overall I mean I saw a couple of movies that totally rocked my world. A couple of movies that I think are worth checking out when they arrive. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the lineup this year. Not a lot of, of faff for a change, which which makes me happy. I don't I don't like like sitting down and getting one good movie in a day of fucking six movies. Um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they they come up with 
next year to top that one because that's always the hard thing they've set a precedent now and now they need to top that and of course in the climate we're in just now with not a lot of movies being made um, and production being kind of halted on a lot of things it will be interesting to see what the the landscape for movie festivals next year actually even looks like if there is one you know you know there's a lot of screenwriters right now that are hunkered hunkered down in their house and they're gonna be writing you know the next the next batch of really killer fucking horror movies Mm -hmm. it might take two years for them to get fucking made at this point because yeah like you said everything's kind of shut down at the moment but you know that's if there's any positive that you can take out of really weird scary times like this is that there's going to be some really great fucking art inspired by all of this whether it be music or movies or video games or what have you like you know this is this is these times have given people a lot to think about mm-hmm. and have showed a lot of the uglier scarier sides of fucking humanity so um I, I, it's it's something to look forward to <laughs> in about a year a year or two if you know everything goes okay but um also i want yeah. to like we should we should like personally congratulate blue moon um uh, blue moon productions who managed to get covid zombie fully shot made and released um in what in the space of like two months how the uh, f- uh, fuck they did that is beyond me uh, yeah, uh, a full a full moon. They full moon, not blue moon. Sorry, blue moon. Yeah, blue moon, blue moon's the beer. Um, yeah, the, beer. I, I I think they had that thing shot in like a weekend because <laughs> for a minute, either either that or they had already shot most of a zombie movie and they yeah. just reshot a couple scenes to tie it. I think it's more likely that. Yeah, I think it's more likely. I think it it, it probably was a production that was kind of part shot, part shelved, and um, they've just tagged a couple of things on it to make it semi-pertinent and then release it but god bless if there's a will there's a way and never ever ever count out full moon for finding a way to completely exploit something very fucking quickly so it was either going to be them or the asylum one of the two so or trauma i'd (laughs) be surprised if trauma's got a got a covid fucking horror movie coming out pretty quick that's that's more the negative sign is is that there will be a hundred shitty zombie apocalypse movies based around all of this stuff so you just ignore those (laughs) yeah yeah as, as if the fucking well isn't like totally dry on that whole thing but you know, you can you can always just ignore those. You'll you'll have plenty of options, and yeah, there's there's gonna be some great shit coming out in about a year, or so I can I can tell already. Yeah, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Now speaking of great shit, it's what we call a segue in the biz. Um, <laughs> we have two movies, another two movies for your consideration. That we're on the tier three list on this episode. We are discussing Mark of the Devil from 1970, and a little movie by a guy called Wes Craven, future master of horror called The Hills Have Eyes from 1977. We're going to take a very short break just now. You are going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear learned people speaking about the importance and factual information in the backgrounds of Mark of the Devil. And then you're also going to hear the trailer. Myself and Mark are coming back to discuss that movie. Ladies and gents, we're going to be doing it right after this. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies... Meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others too. 
There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. Mark of the Devil's original title in German was Witches Tortured Till the Blood Comes. But it started off as a script called The Witch Hunter, Dr. Dracula. It was rather as if somebody had seen Witchfinder General on Monday, written half a script, then seen a Dracula film on Tuesday, and God knows what they've been on on Wednesday. Now, this was written by an ex-matinee idol who was a very, very famous actor in Germany called Adrian Hoven. And he went to Gloria Films and said, look, I want to make this movie. Um, they took a look at it and said, well, yeah, it's okay, but it doesn't really get there. And also, we don't want you to direct. We want somebody else to do that. Um, they chose Michael Armstrong, the British director of Haunted House of Horror, because that had been a huge hit in Germany. Uh, Haunted House had opened in Germany and done very good business. And Adrian Hoven, who produced one of the level, had originally wanted to make a film which he would have starred in, written, directed, and done everything. Adrian Hoven hated Michael Armstrong coming on board. So I, I thought, well, what on earth am I going to do with this? And as the starting point had been at least this witch hunting idea, I thought, well, let me go from there, because I had a very limited time in which to write it. Michael Armstrong agreed to do the film, but when he first read the script, um, he told me that it was like a hardcore version of Dracula with a few sort of witch hunters thrown in. So he decided to rewrite it entirely from scratch under the name Sergio Kastner. Now, this, of course, didn't sit well with Adrian Hoven, who thought he'd written a masterpiece. And this was the reason why the filming was apparently an absolute nightmare. I mean, Udo Kier, who's the lead actor in it, used to tell me that there were just screaming matches all the way through. Udo Kier, of course, was also not truthful about the movie. He always told me that he never saw any of the violence being filmed. But he was actually in the frame. And Michael Armstrong then told me that of course, Udo saw everything and he sort of like backtracked slightly from it when it was beginning quite a controversial movie. Um, you see quite a lot of torture in this and according to Armstrong, it was actually filmed using the real torture instruments in the actual places where his fictional story was supposedly set. The tongue tearing scene, all that cage and everything is authentic. Um, the Thumb screws are authentic. It's horrible because it's literally just a, a vice. I just screwed it down, that was it. The burning scenes again were all authentic. Because of this, I, I thought I want to show this. I want to show exactly what horrendous kind of things are done by God fearing people in the name of God. Michael Armstrong always told me the worst sort of violence is the violence you don't look away from. And that's the reason he made the scenes very, very graphic, very cruel and very barbarous. I believe violence on, when presented should be unpleasant for an audience. And here is the vomit bag that you were given on the way in, just in case some of the horrific scenes you saw made you want to throw up. Ah, oh, ah, oh, yes. 
the vomit bag. Yes. And I've actually got one of these. A friend of mine sent me one, empty, uh, from America when they first um, launched it. I think this is a wonderful idea. James Fowler made sure this was always rejected by the BBFC, but here it was completely uncut, one of the reasons why it became the focus of attention. I think also because it, England was the only country that was really acting so ridiculously. And then, of course, it opened America, which was huge in America. And um, so I was aware of this uh, success of, of the film, the commercial success of the film, and the fights and struggles to try and get it shown in England. And even to this day, it, it's still cut, I gather. I mean, another reason why it was frowned upon by censors worldwide because the violence actually intercut with the sex scenes. Um, this is always a no-no for most censor boards. Nevertheless, it was a number one film in Germany. Interestingly enough, you can't see it there now because it's banned, and there was indeed a Mark of the Devil Part Two directed by Hoven, so he did finally get his way. Um, I'd love to know the truth behind this movie. Um, I've heard three sides of the same story, and they've all been different. I would love to know what actually really did happen on this film set. But so far, no one's ever told me the truth. And now the Holy Ghost will descend on you in the shape of lovely white doves. <laughs> That's a nice rooster! Go on, run! Come Mark of the Devil. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Name just one of your accomplices and the executioner will stop the torture. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. We must not let her die yet. I want confessions, not corpses. When you asked me three years ago to become my pupil, I warned you not to see an idol in me. On the difficult path we are going to go together, I said. Many innocent people are going to die. I said that to you, I remember the day. Stop that witch! Mark of the Devil. Are you afraid? I am the witch finder in this town. Is that clear? Tear up my tongue, but before you do, I'll make them laugh. I'll tell them you rape women, when you burn innocent people, that you kill for money, that you're impotent. <sighs> Be happy. You mustn't say things like that. Why? It's so beautiful here. My lord, she made a pact with the devil in the shape of a man. And after, she let the devil fornicate with her, making the man impotent. Uh, this Vanessa, for example. She's falsely accused. Don't become soft. She's a witch. A beautiful girl, I grant you, but a witch. She will confess. There he is. <laughs> Mark of the Devil. The 
prisoner has been sentenced to have his head cut off according to the law of the land. It has also been decreed that all his earthly possessions be delivered to the church for safekeeping until disposed of by the Lord Bishop. In Europe, between the 15th and 19th centuries, it is estimated nearly 8 million people were convicted of heresy and executed by fanatical witch hunters in order to save their souls. In front of death, I thank you for your mercy, for having me freed from the terrible agony of torture. Witch, 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 witch. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Mark of the Devil from 1970, aka Hexen which is not what that says, but it just rolls off the tongue. Just forced it to sound alright. Um, this one uh, was directed by Michael Armstrong and uncredited Adrian Hoven. A bit, of, a bit of. A kind of rough and tumble behind the scenes between these two guys who did not fucking like each other at all. Um, and infamously, as legend foretold on this one, was supposed to be directed by Michael Reeves, uh, he who had directed Witchfinder General. Um, so he'd literally just finished making Witchfinder General, was tapped to make this movie, and then died, um, like right off the back of making Witchfinder General. Uh, before making Mark of the Devil. So this movie almost became something completely different and then Adrian Hoven was directing this movie and it was taken off him and given to Michael Armstrong who was basically the assistant on um, The Witchfinder General. So a lot of drama, a lot of drama in the background. This movie stars Herbert Lom. I do love a bit of Herbert Lom. Udo Kier, Olivier, Katrina, Reggie Nalder, Herbert Fox, Johannes Bazooka, that's not what his name is, but that's what I'm sticking with, uh, Michael Mien, <laughs> uh, Gabby Fuchs, Ingborg Schooner, um, and Adrian Holben. The synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb is in 1700s Austria, a witch hunter's apprentice has doubts about the righteousness of witch hunting when he witnesses the brutality, the injustice, the falsehood, the torture and the arbitrary killing that go with the job. Mark Ball, you had never seen this movie. Welcome to the church of We Have Watched Mark of the Devil. Um, what did you make of this one? Surprisingly nasty for 1970, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so surprisingly gory and sobering and like played super fucking straight. I don't think I'd ever even actually heard of this movie until I saw it was on the list and did a little bit of research. There's, a, I think, a whole bunch of Udo Kier stuff that I have never seen for whatever reason. A lot of it's like... Uh, th this one's... At, uh, there's a nice Blu-ray from Arrow of mm -hmm. this out. Um, you can find this... Uh, it's Right now it's on Shudder, and it's also on Tubi with commercials for free. Um, this... Yeah, this movie fucking blew my socks off i hadn't i really didn't know that much to expect i about 90 percent of this movie is people getting fucking tortured because they think that they're witches mm -hmm. like there's giant extended long sequences of just the most fucking horrible fucking medieval torture devices being used on people that like 
they they had no idea. Like, there's a line late in the movie where they're like, I know a lot of these people weren't really witches. I don't fucking care. This is my job as a witch finder. Um, which I think, like... It's, how, to, how, to, how to put this exactly? I, I think when you're making a movie like this and there's an element of it that's based in reality, because this absolutely fucking happened for, mm-hmm. like, hundreds of years... All the, all the way up to, like, Salem and fucking America, like, during the, I think it was late 1700s, early 1800s, something like that. Um, I, I think you can get away with a lot more. It's kind of the Passion of the Christ thing where if it's based on reality or, or like, to a lesser extent, like, something like Saving Private Ryan, you can go fucking balls out with the, the violence and the gore because you're telling a story that really happened. And I don't think if if you if you kind of sugarcoat this and then do it with the kid gloves on, it's not nearly effective and doesn't get the point across like how how fucking brutal people <laughs> were in the past and how fucking disgusting they were. And um, this this movie conveyed that like in in spades. Like they they just went fucking nutso with the blood and gore and the set pieces. And there's actually like a pretty rad story attached to this. I love the stuff with the two witch finders. Mm-hmm. Um, you get our old guy. What's his name? Like albino or something? Yeah, albino. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like the old world. The, the, there's a great like old world versus new world kind of story going on here between the two witch finders. The one that's like kind of gotten used to being the town's witch finder, and he's just given carte blanche to get rid of the witches by any means necessary there's no there's no evidence against these people there's no indictments there's not even paperwork that's like the first thing that udo kier who is kind of like uh the 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 new world's witch finder like deputy i guess you'd call him um there's not even like there's no record of these people being killed and in in the opening crawl they say they think like roughly seven million people were killed this way between the 1500s and you know like the 1800s 1900s roughly um that's fucking mind-blowing shit that i don't think really like history classes and stuff like really talk about as much as they probably should it's kind of uh those who those who fail to remember history are damned to repeat it kind of deal mm-hmm. um like so i really i really dug a lot of the 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 real world ties with this movie and like how this is like uh this is a lot more based on a true story than something like texas chainsaw massacre which is probably about 90 percent fabricated and 10 percent truth this is this all feels very real and um you know, there's not there's not a lot of this that feels super movie, except for maybe the romance between um, I can't remember her name, but the the, the barmaid and Udo Kier feels it, it feels very like I don't know Disney fairy tale kind of. Yeah, yeah. But you can, you kind of need that to balance out how fucking dark the rest of this movie is. Um, but yeah, this movie has so much going for it. Uh, Udo Kier is fucking gorgeous in this. He's, he was a very thing. attractive looking man. I, 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 I can see why he had so many roles about this time, and like you can see why he played like Dracula, and he was in a movie which is basically like Straw Dogs, um, and the name escapes me right now. It's a British movie. Um, Oh, is it Straw Hill House and Straw Hill or something um, from about the same time period? And he's a he, he has leading man written all over his looks. 
it's all it's, a lot of it's in the eyes man i feel like i could get lost in that dude's eyes like all day every day um everybody else in this is really fucking good too like the I, I'm, I'm bad with names if we haven't mentioned that on this show show at all so i'm gonna refer <laughs> to these people very loosely um the 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 new world Witchfinder, he he definitely oh man he he just exudes this fucking presence about him where you're both kind of scared of him because uh, at some point in the movie you get to see when he like it's, it's it's like when the court judge is having a bad day and he just everybody is fucking guilty everybody's going to jail or in this case you know going to the fucking torture chamber um but he also has this kind of i guess you say like benevolence about him where like you respect him also he's like a He's in a he's the authority figure that they need in these like awful scary fucking times. But what they don't know is he's a total shyster and he's do- he's doing this to get his fucking jollies off and because he's just become so numb to it at this point that it's just his job and it's all he knows. Which is the exact same thing you could say about the old world, uh, the 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 more countrified witchfinder. It's mm-hmm. this is all he knows. This is all he knows how to do. This is all he has. This is like. It's the the little bit of power that he's well. It uh, turns out to be a fucking ton of power that they've given him. Will just like to do whatever he wants, basically. But that's it's. They're both just on this like mean like authority trip, basically, and kind of caught in the middle of this is Udo Kier and what's her face, the barmaid. Um, and, uh, oh, and all the people that are fucking horribly, brutally <laughs> murdered in this thing that get caught in the the crossfire of this weirdo fucking religious persecution complex that apparently a lot of Europe had for a few centuries there. Um, it's, it's a lot to take in, man. Like this is maybe a perfect movie to hit me. Like at, at this point in time, because like, otherwise, you know, I feel like if I would have seen this a few years ago, I'd been like, yeah, it's pretty gory. It's kind of a schlocky horror movie. You know, it's based roughly, roughly in reality, but like, man, seeing it now and just like, realizing how shitty humans can be to each other sometimes it just i feel like it hit me way different than it would have a long time ago so yeah man i was fucking stoked to watch this one this is this is uh this is one horror fans need to be talking about a little bit more i think yeah i I mean i i I mean this is one i I know really really well um i covered it on i want to say my second season of chronicle way back in the day uh, when we were doing kind of witches, uh, the mark of the devil was the one that I put in over Witchfinder General at the time, and I mean this is a movie that you know doesn't exist without the you know w- without Witchfinder General being a movie. I mean it, it is essentially the more nastier European Witchfinder General. You know, it's right. like like let's 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 take like the big named actors out. Uh, let's replace them with all these other guys that have been working in the genre for a while and however malicious the torture was in their movie let's make it more in our movie and they, they really lean into it you get some weird and wonderful actual real world torture devices being used in this one like the clamps that drag your tongue out your mouth like just horrible 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 shit and uh, they lean into it hard and to me, the, once again, this is one of these ones that I see this movie and I'm like, right, I, I can see if you've never seen a horror movie before, right, 
and you are a what a, a 60 year old right wing thinking you know <laughs> god fearing individual and this is shown that yeah right i can see why the knee-jerk reaction happens what i can't understand is how this appears on a tier three list and some of the movies that appeared on the tier like how boogeyman like or fucking what do you call it a uh, the the one with the the demonic computer oh hey uh. fucking yeah how that movie how that movie satan in the computer how that movie is on the bad band list and mark of the devil is on there well if you see it maybe you want to confiscate it list it makes zero fucking sense like zero zero fucking sense to me it really really it, it, it baffles and boggles my mind it's got great performances i think it really does surprisingly quite a lot of nastiness considering it's 1970. I mean, for a, a lot of people, we consider the change in the scenery and horror to be really kind of off the back of something like uh, Last House on the Left or even t- Texas Chainsaw Massacre when the landscape changes for horror. People just like and instantly realise you can do nastier, more nihilistic shit with ease. Right. But there are these little movies like Mark of the Devil that are, are, are the logical stepping stones towards that, that are doing things that at the time were considered incredibly dangerous. I mean, this movie was banned in Germany, which is its home territory, really, was banned in Germany from, 19, from the 1980s when it was given its distribution right up to 2016. I mean, like, right up to 2016, this movie was still, like, but this is not getting shown. Um, that much to the, 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 the reputation of it for, for people to watch. And, you know, like, people played into that. As the famous, the famous stories in the background go with this one is that, you know, when it was released in the US, um, the, the distributors and cinema theatres at the time were basically saying, and I can almost William Castle esque approach as a way to market this movie you know this movie will make you throw up and they were giving them sick bags like commemorative sick bags which go for a fucking fortune now if you still have them Uh, basically giving these sick bags out saying this is what you throw up into Um, it it just blows my mind that what you have is a movie which is weirdly ahead of its time but still, at times, through some of the performances, feels very much like a movie which isn't quite in the modern era. is isn't quite... Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like a modern-feeling movie of the time because the characters are 70s characters. This is still dealing with medieval shit. You know, this is still dealing with old, old-timey shit. Um, whereas, you know, it's not set in modern times, which, you know, I think would give it a completely different sheen and make it a, a completely different entity. Uh, yes, a great movie. I think it's, it's shot brilliant. Uh, the effects are done very, very well. I am not entirely dissuaded to the opinion that people weren't actually hurt making this movie. Because some of uh, the... the... The big one was when they light the fire underneath the guy's chair. Yeah. I, I went back and rewound that once or twice, and I am fucking totally convinced that they really lit a fucking... It's not a stuntman. No. It's the actor that's been there through the whole time. He's sitting in the chair with the fucking nails for a seat, mm-hmm. and they literally just light a goddamn fire underneath yeah. this guy's ass. Like it's... It's, There's no special effect. They just really did it. I'm totally convinced. Yeah, so there are a couple of things where you know for a fact that just would not fly even remotely 
into Dave's society. Um, yeah, it's a great movie, great performances as well, and a, an interesting telling of the story. It does pair incredibly well with Witchfinder General. I prefer Witchfinder General just because I think, I mean, it's maybe my favourite Vincent Price performance ever. I think right. him as Matthew Hopkins is, is what this movie sadly doesn't have because like there's like as malicious as these characters are it's like you see the the witch finders are all they have is their job and that's why they're doing it and as a result they're evil characters but there's a method to their madness whereas you know vincent price's portrayal of matthew hopkins there's it's power it's greed it's wealth it's you know, it's it's the corruption of law and order and faith and all the rest, and Price plays that perfectly, and I think that's what gives it like the, the, the slight shunt up for, uh, upwards for me. But if you play those movies back to back, you're in for a wholly depressing time. But they do pair really well. Avoid where possible the sequel to this movie from 1973, Mark of the Devil Part Two, which is nowhere near as good as this movie. It has some nah. of the same cast, but it no impact, and there is a reason that Arrow released this one on Blu-ray and not its sequel. So, man, I'm I'm over the moon. I'm over the moon that you, you dug this one. Um, it's I want to see it is available on Shudder in the UK, but I can't quite remember. I'm going to see it probably is. But if you are a stateside Listener, go and check this one out if you haven't before. It is, it is a weird, gnarly little time capsule of a movie um, that shows you that whilst you were thinking everything in 1970 was all kind of... Oh, well, Hammer Horror is still playing and all this. You know, there are there are filmmakers out there doing some nasty shit, uh, and this is one of them movies. Uh, let's, let's swing it into a grade, Mark. This could be fun. Um, so, you know, we do Hard Time which is for the really bad movies. We do, uh, you know, the old community service, which is the next one down, which is for those movies that are kind of teetering on the, you got some explaining to do. Um, you know, then we've got the old uh, slap on the wrists, which are, you know, right, you did something there, you almost crossed the line, but you just watch what you're doing. And then we've got the old case dismissed, which is, this movie is 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 nothing to be concerned about. What do you give Mark of the Devil? So, I think the only fair way to rate this one is in a historical context, much like, I keep going back to Passion of the Christ, which was a fucking insanely violent movie mm-hmm. that was shown to, like general audience like church groups like would drag like the whole family out to see this one so i'm gonna give this one like a slap on the wrist i think it's an okay thing to warn people before they watch this what they're getting themselves into that it is very extreme and insane but if you put a little bit in there about how you know something along the lines of uh the movie that's just as fucking brutal as what really happened I think you get a little bit of leeway there, and, like, as long as you warn people, I mean, you can't really... I don't think filmmakers should be punished for making films that are representative of reality. You know, if, if it was, like, purely for schlock, purely for exploitation purposes, that's one thing, but I really genuinely think that these guys set out to make a movie that kind of reminds people of just how fucking shitty things were at some point and how much how much worse things were for everybody, especially women, uh, in a huge chunk of our fucking world's history, and not just Europe, but America also. 
So I, I, I think this is an important horror movie. Um, and yeah, honestly, I don't understand why people don't talk about this one more often because it's, it's super fucking ahead of its time, which I'm sure freaked people the fuck out. This was pro- if this came out in 1970, this was probably shot in like 68, 69 around there. <laughs> it would have been 60, uh, it would have been 69 because that was the year that uh, Michael Reeves died. So, okay, yeah, and I mean, man, that's 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 some dark time, especially in American history. The the end of the 60s is a really fucking dark time and mm-hmm. inspired a lot. I mean, 68 was when we got Night of the Living Dead. Like two two years difference between that and Mark of the Devil is like kind of hard to think about mm-hmm. it, and unless you know like a lot about you know it's, it's like I think that's like the, towards the end of the Vietnam War uh, it's the end of the hippie movement in America for sure uh, things are looking real fucking grim in the world and I think a lot of shit changed between like 68 and 70 when when Mark of the Devil came out so I mean it's man it's gonna be wild to see here in about two years <laughs> we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be getting super subversive super angry fucking movies just like this because it's reflective of what's going on in the world at the time that it was made kind of yeah so. the manson family murders happened the year this was made so yeah that's that's, <laughs> that's another big one where people are freaked out they're like uh this is not good these are not happy times things are going real bad so um <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a super long roundabout way of saying I'd give this a slap on the wrist and send them on their merry yeah. way. I, I'm going in slightly higher than you. I'm going with community service. Um, I like I say I can I and I don't give out that grade lightly. I imagine that there were people like specifically on that kind of idea of censors just did not have a fucking clue what hit them when they watched this movie. Just didn't realize yeah. that this existed in art at all and couldn't fathom their head around it that being said I think it's a great movie and I echo everything you say I, I don't understand why it's not discussed more often I understand why it's just not part of the, the conversation when people are talking about that transition from you know the, the, the horror that we knew to the horror that would go on and shape um, the next phase the big next incarnation away from things like Dracula movies and witch movies and you know all that this is this is the start of us starting to grim things into you know this is real world situations and real world situations can be just as terrifying as anything um, that a horror author writes about the supernatural so yeah it's, a, it's community service from me we have one more movie to discuss and the, the good times keep a rolling. <laughs> uh, we are we are going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear more learned advice and uh, critique about our next movie, The Hills Have Eyes from 1977. The trailer is going to play. Myself and Mark Ball are coming right back to discuss that movie right after this. <laughs> Hello? Hello, who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Um, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, Yeah, Dan and Gav. 
Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of a strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Hmm. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? The Hills Have Eyes, like several films that were big in the sort of video nasty era, began rather respectably in Britain. It was premiered at the London Film Festival. I saw Q there, Android played there, Dawn of the Dead played there, Death Trap played there, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was famously a London Film Festival choice. So from a debut, as it were, in, in the halcyon confines of the what was then the National Film Theatre, uh, uh, and is now the BFI South Bank. It got a, a step up from a grindhouse exploitation release. I remember it was a, one of those films that stuck around a long time. Um, the last time I saw it theatrically on its first run was as a B-picture to John Hoff's Incubus. So it was one of those movies they would put out as the lower half of a double bill, almost, uh, because it would boost whatever your A horror picture was. People would say, uh, and we can go and see The Hills Have Eyes because it's on again. For Wes Craven, it was kind of an interesting, it was a return to the world of Last House on the Left. But he had changed his mode from being kind of a grim, in-your-face, disgusting, yeah, semi-art filmmaker into basically making action pictures. Hills Have Eyes is the same kind of movie as Last House on the Left thematically. It's normal people and mutants in a, locked in a, a combat which has some social significance. Uh, but it also shows uh, Craven's mastery of staging action. He's one of those filmmakers who started out as an editor and you can really see it. He can time an action or a horror sequence in the way that people used to say Frankie Howard could time a joke. Craven can actually stage what is conceptually an ordinary horror sequence and make you jump. And in The Hills Have Eyes, he has stuff that's, that's brilliantly conceived. Uh, and then he adds the filmmaking still. So it's another one of those horror films that's basically a Western. It's the settlers go out into the wilderness and are attacked by wild Apaches. Although... Yeah, this is kind of you know, post-nuclear testing Apaches, so there's a kind of gruesome horror element to it. It is one of those films that's not as gory as you remember it, because it's just the editing is done in such a powerhouse style that you think you've seen a lot more gruesome stuff. It's got a lot less sort of cannibalism in it than you think is there, although there is certainly an element of cannibalism in it. You can see why it was uh, a sort of video nasty type picture because it's thematically got all this stuff but then I suppose the problem is that if you're so serious you sit down and watch it and what are the frames you want to take out and the fact is all of them is what you want to remove uh, because it's kind of so well done I think a lot of older critics saw it and because they loved westerns they got that from it it was a name that uh, that meant something in Britain uh, and I think this has to do with the fact that movies like this in America were distributed in a much more diffuse, almost state-by-state -state fashion. So even if they did really well, you couldn't get the impression of something being a bigger hit than another action exploitation horror type picture. Whereas in Britain, if a movie like The Hills Have Eyes or Lake of the Evil Dead um, broke through, uh, then 
Yeah, you had a demand in Britain for a sequel. Obviously, that worked for The Evil Dead. Uh, that was less successful in turning uh, The Hills Have Eyes into a franchise because, um, as we know, Hills Have Eyes 2 was, uh, was a bit of a disaster. And like a lot of other films on the Video Nasties list, the title at least lingered in popular memory long enough for somebody to greenlight a, a remake. In fact, uh, not only has The Hills Have Eyes been remade, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 got remade. They wanted to see something different, but something different saw them first. The Hills Have Eyes. Mister, don't take your family back in that area. The silver has been gone for 40 years now. Besides, there's nothing back in there but animals. A lot. The old creep told you not to get off the road. <laughs> What began as a vacation ended as a nightmare. Be hell to pay now. That was bad. Turn the lights on, please. She thought she knew what the world was all about, but nothing prepared her for this. The hills have eyes. Oh, you go with my baby. Yeah, away, <laughs> A mother fighting for her child loses it in the worst possible way. I hit him with a tire iron and I split his face wide open. That was a bad mistake. <laughs> I come back for you later, girlie. Why are you doing this? The story of an American family who lost everything except the will to survive. Murdered, raped, burned, but not beaten. The Hills Have Eyes. The story of one family's refusal to die. I'm gonna get those animals. The Hills Have Eyes. A night of terror, a day of vengeance where no one was spared. No one. Kill the babe! Kill me! They fought back. Anything was a weapon. The family dog to the family car. It's working! The Hills Have Eyes. The most shocking, terrifying film you will ever see by Wes Craven, writer and director of The Last House on the Left. The Hills Have Eyes. The Lucky Ones Died First. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for The Hills Have Eyes from 1977. This is directed and written by the late, great Wes Craven. The movie itself stars, hopefully I will I'll work better with some of these names, uh, Susie Lanier-Bramlett, that's probably not right, uh, Robert Houston, Martin Spear, Dee Wallace, Russ Greve, John Stademan, um, James Whitworth, Virginia Vincent, Lance Gordon, Michael Berryman, Janus Blythe, and uh, Cordy Clark. The synopsis for this one is on the way to California... A man has a man. What's the on the way to California? Family. It's more than just a man. Has a misfortune to have their car break down in an area closed to the public and inhabited by violent savages, ready 
to attack. Terrible synopsis. Um, so yeah, this this is what like I, I remember the first time I saw The Hills Have Eyes, and I was this is uh Duncan was in his teens, and um, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, ah, oh, it's alright. You know, it's a bit goofy. It's a bit weird. Um, not really picking up on half of what is actually going on in this movie at all. Like all the the, the kind of menace, the you know the threat of rape, um, and all that stuff that is happening in this movie, and a lot of the the characters' reactions to certain things just didn't like snare me at all. And then I rewatched it in my twenties, and I was like. This is fucking brilliant. Like this is a really, really, really good movie. Um, never equating this as the weird thing about it is that I never really equated this as a Wes Craven movie until I was in my twenties, and I knew who Wes Craven was. You know, I, I like had already seen Last House on the Left, had seen the People Under the Stairs, had seen Scream, a few Screams uh, by by that point. In fact, possibly all of them minus four. Um, so you know, I was well versed in Wes Craven. And then coming back to see The Hills of Eyes in, in my 20s and watching it and being a bit more adult and understanding the, the kind of social commentary that he was putting out there and um, a lot of the threat, intent and the way characters were reacting to situations which hit me more as an adult. Um, the more I came back to, to thinking, you know, is this one of these movies that people too quickly you know, gloss over when they speak about Craven. Because when you talk about Craven's impact, people are very much of the opinion that, and I agree with them, that for three decades he shaped horror cinema. If you look at the 70s, he kind of shaped the way we look at, like, just in general, the way we look at things like exploitation and grindhouse cinema with Last House on the Left. In the 80s, he reshapes it with A Nightmare on Elm Street. And in the 90s, he reshapes it with Scream. I think at times to do that, I think we sometimes shortchange uh, or, or gloss over certain titles he did in between them. And yes, he's a wildly inconsistent director. All you need to do is see The Hills of Eyes 2 to understand that. He's a, he's a wildly inconsistent director, but there are flashes of genius and greatness um, throughout most of his movies. Yes, some of them have a weird sense of humour that Uncle Wes likes to put in there. Um, never re- gallows humour, yeah, as he calls it. Gallows humour, I call it dad humour. Um, <laughs> that's literally what I call it, because some of these jokes are total eye-rolling dad jokes. Um, and I imagine when he was when they were shooting them, he was cackling and slapping his knee. Going, oh, the kids are going to love this. Um, <laughs> the kids didn't love it. Uh, but he, he does have a tendency to do that. And sometimes it undermines tone in his movies, weirdly. Uh, can can remove the, the, the tension from a scene completely. If you watch something like Last House on the Left and you have to listen to the fucking bumbling hillbilly cops. Um, uh, yeah. It takes you right out of that movie. And then you're flung right back into the most horrific shit you've seen and then back it down you know it like goes back and you're like what's happening but the hills of eyes is like some great performances and i mean it's the movie to me that really puts like like michael berryman on the map as like a guy who i've never met before all i've ever heard is he's the nicest guy at every horror convention all the west all the rest the guy has a look that terrifies me, like absolutely. And this movie is the reason behind that. This and Weird Science uh, are the two movies that would make me not able to look him in the eye. Um, weird that we mentioned Evil Within earlier on because 
he and that is also fucking terrifying. So, yep. um, but yeah, great. But like, D. Wallace is brilliant as the mother. Um, we, we've just got great, we've got great performances throughout, and it, it tackles some gnarly shit. It really, really does. This is still Wes Craven, like, kind of doing the Clockwork Orange opening of our eyes and making us confront a lot of what's happening in society through the, the lens of a, an exploitation movie. Um, I mean, it's by nowhere near as as torturous and, and the gore and stuff like that as Mark of the Devil, but I think psychologically it's definitely more damaging. <laughs> like this one, like because it's set in a more modern time um, and we, we, we get to see things that you know, this is this is the evolution of cinema now. Like all bets are off. Like post Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we can do whatever we want, and we're gonna do whatever we want. And it, it shows in this movie. I I, re- I really like this movie. Arrow put out a collector's edition of it recently, which might be that version that's on Shudder, and they did a lot of work cleaning it up, um, and and putting out a really good package. And the special features on it are fascinating as people start delving in and discussing. Like specifically the impact of the film and uh, and stuff like that of the time. It's a great movie. It's one of these ones that it's you you're not really having to twist my arm at all to sit down and watch the hills have eyes. I will sit down and watch it w- whenever I can. Uh, but yeah, the, the the some of the stuff in the background, the the, the kind of the the factoids in the background, specifically about it being shot in a, perf- a pornographer's camera, just add to its charm in my opinion. They're just all these little little things uh, like if you ever want a, a laugh jump on time DB and check out the facts behind the scenes because some of what Wes Craven thought he might be able to get away in this movie is just bananas like absolutely like no way was it ever going to happen Wes and I think you just maybe got lost in your own kind of yeah that'll be fun if we do this um, yeah the fact is also weirdly based on like cannibalistic uh, a cannibalistic family from Scotland because why not? Um, you know, also, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's near and dear to my heart, is what I'm saying, Mark. It's near and dear to my heart. Right. Uh, same, same here. I, I think I was probably roughly the same age when I saw this as you were. I was like about 13, 14. Um, I think I kind of first became familiar with this movie from The Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Evil Dead was like one of my first like loves of horror movies. And obviously there's the... The, the little homage homage to it in the in the cellar of the cabin with the the ripped in half hills have eyes poster as a way of I, I think Sam Raimi really fucking loved this movie and upon this rewatch I started to sort of see a lot more similarities between the two movies mm-hmm. um, but if, for those that don't know the, the ripped in half poster in Evil Dead is sort of a, a you know a, a joking slight at the movie kind of it's a way of saying okay we know the hills have eyes was like at the time considered one of the most terrifying fucked up movies people had ever seen that's nothing compared to what we're showing here in the the evil dead i think it was only shot like a few years later i think evil dead came out in 81 and they shot it largely in like 78 79 80 around there it took fucking forever to get the evil dead made um but uh, yeah, there's a lot of similarities, especially in the score between these two movies. I definitely think Joe LaDuca, the, the composer for The Evil Dead, watched this and borrowed a lot, of, especially the, like the, the stingers, the scare chords oh, yeah. that you get, are almost identical in the two movies, and they work really well, and I think give it this kind of weird charm that you only get 
for movies that were made within like a, a certain a certain couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think the first time I watched this was on the independent film channel. They used to have really great Halloween, like month long Halloween uh, marathons on their channel. I think that's the first time I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was on one of those mm-hmm. too. Um, and I kind of consider Texas Chainsaw and Hills Have Eyes to be like brother and sister movies, kind of. They yeah. explore really similar themes. And also, going back to Mark of the Devil, it's the, the new world versus old world kind of, like, like city versus rural kind of. You see this a lot in movies around the time. I'm not really sure. I, I think city folk were just real scared of, like, what's out in the countryside, the, the, the undiscovered parts of America at the time, which is where we get stuff like this in Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, and, to, to a lesser, maybe, extent, Mark of the Devil. Um but yeah, this is a I, this is a really effective horror movie because a lot of it focuses, I feel like, on the story and on the people. And the, it, in a very short amount of time at the beginning of this movie, it establishes our family, and they're all really likable. They're all played by people that like we really like, and so you get kind of attached to him at the beginning of this and we get a little bit of humor. We get a little, a little bit of character development, not too much, but just enough so that we kind of know who these people are. And like slowly throughout the movie, the kids become like our main characters mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and I, I, I think that's a really effective way to go because a lot of people are around those kids age when they see this movie for the first time. And I think that's a really scary idea is when you're kind of caught in the middle of this, there's bad things happening to your parents and you're, you're at least a little bit past the age where like you feel protected by your parents kind of, Mm -hmm. and like sheltered from all the scariness in the world. That's a really fucking, I think freaky idea that even at 33 years old, I'm still kind of grappling with is that my parents are, you know, I, I've become the adult now and like they're, you know, they're getting older and weaker and frailer every fucking year. And there's something really scary about that. And then you throw a baby into the mix. too. <laughs> yeah. It's just like you, you're, you're just being assaulted on like all sides. And, you know, you're young, you're, you're fairly naive, like, like, especially the son, like when he's like after after they've killed and fucking burnt alive the dad of the family he has to become the dad of the family and he's you know he he just doesn't have any fucks to give anymore so he's mm-hmm. he's going to he's going to get revenge for his dad basically and then later on his mom too and there's something really scary and primal about that and you think back to Wes Craven is big on like what scared primitive man. I mean, Freddy Krueger's claws, his, his knife gloves were inspired by the thought of what what was primitive man most scared of? Well, like giant fucking animals with mm-hmm. like claws that could rip you into pieces. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of that going on in this movie too, and the fact that it takes I, I, this definitely hit me. Real well, because I was still living with my parents who live like way out in the countryside. Back back then, we had almost no neighbors. Uh, you could go out on any given night and just listen and hear packs of coyotes. Not too long ago, they they killed uh, coyotes. Killed a lot. My parents tried raising chickens at some point, <laughs> and they were all they were all fucking killed by coyotes. 
And there's just something really scary. I remember as a kid, like being outside of my house at night and not being able to see anything around the perimeter of the property. It's just pitch black and the, the eyes play tricks on you, especially when you're younger and a little bit more impressionable and the imagination runs away. And that's that's also something I think is really scary. It was really scary to primitive man was what's outside the campfire line that we can't see that more than likely is out there waiting to fucking kill us. Like that's there's just something so primitive and so fucking just brutal and scary about that that runs through this entire fucking movie. Um so I, I legit think this is still this still stands up so strong and is like still one of the most effective horror movies. Uh, real quick, my 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 half funny Michael Berryman story of meeting him <laughs> yeah. was at Mile Mile High Horror Film Festival. I think the first year that I went, um, I was apparently staying in the same hotel that they like put up all the celebrity guests and they they did a. Um, I can't remember if it was a film or a digital screening of Hills Have Eyes, but Michael Berryman came out. And I'm going up to my room that's, like, on the very top floor or whatever, and the elevator stops, and in walks Michael Berryman, like, one of the most recognizable actors in Hollywood. Like, he's he's hard to fucking miss. I, w- I will say that at this point in time, he he doesn't have... When you meet him in person, he's not, like... He's, he's a very kind, gentle, kind of quiet, like, and fucking whip smart dude mm-hmm. um he, he's he he's that's i think that's what makes him such a great actor is because you realize very quickly when you meet him in person that he is not like the people that he plays in movies he's like the polar fucking opposite and um yeah he, he just he got on the elevator uh i i was i i'm i'm a super shy nervous person i have some absolute fucking horror stories about meeting famous people or people that I admire and just bungling it horribly <laughs> like the fucking Jack Ketchum story. Um, so I didn't really say anything. He actually turned to me and he saw that I was wearing a they live hat and he, he just like started up a conversation about like Roddy Roddy Piper and old school. I think he's an old school wrestling fan, like big time. And he was just a super nice, sweet guy. And uh, I, I, I was just so like taken aback by it that, I actually got off the elevator on the wrong floor and <laughs> didn't, didn't realize until a couple minutes. I was just so starstruck that I got off the wrong goddamn floor of the hotel and had to get back on the elevator and go up. But, um, yeah, my, Michael Berryman is an absolute sweetheart. He's 71 years old. I had to double check. So oh, if, 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 uh, if they ever start doing horror conventions or film festivals again, which I'm sure they will eventually, but everything's on hiatus right now if you get a chance to meet michael berryman go for it he's a fucking absolute delight um i think a lot of the rest of the cast is really good d wallace is kind of this was apparently she had done one other movie which is like an educational film or religious film or something before this but this is kind of this is kind of her first main feature and i honestly kind of think she's playing against type Mm -hmm. like when you when you see like her interviews of her and behind the scenes stuff she's very sassy She's like super duper sassy and super confident and there's something real hot about that to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of playing against type in this movie. She's like the she's the mother of the child and she's not she is not well her character is not well equipped for what ends up happening in this movie at all. Uh she's like she seems just like very soft and not not as much as like I, the other girl is supposed to be her younger sister, right? Or it's like her sister-in-law or something along those lines. She, she's like a step above her, 
like not quite into like mom territory, but kind of getting there. So I think that's kind of weird because that's when I think of Dee Wallace, that's not really the, the, the kind of person that I think she actually is. I think she's like way more fucking confident and like headstrong than, than the character that she plays in this. Um, uh, Jan- Janice Blythe, who plays Ruby, the, uh, uh how to put the, the, the younger cannibal girl, basically mm-hmm. that kind of bounces back between, I think his name's uncle Fred, who runs the gas station and the, the the family out in the caves uh she's fucking smoking hot oh yeah uh, i think i think they really i think she says in some of the behind the scenes stuff that they really had to like do their best to ugly her up and people were she's she's still hot throw more dirt on her dirty brown up her fucking teeth do something make her hair look all ratty because uh she's she's like straight up like hollywood sex pot kind of mm-hmm. deal she's fucking gorgeous um the 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 other cast member I really wanted to talk about real quick was John Stedman, who yes. plays I think his name's Uncle Fred. I don't know if I've seen. I'm looking at his filmography real quick. He's in Fade to Black, which I've seen a really long time ago, but don't remember. I think one of the only other things on here that I know him real or the the only other movie that I know real well that he's in is Cheech and Chong's next movie. (laughs) Not a fucking good movie. He's also in the longest yard, the Burt Reynolds version, which I haven't seen, but apparently he, he got his start as like a a radio personality. I don't know if he was like a talk show host or uh, if he did like commercials for radio or whatever. That that's kind of weird to think about because like by the time Hills Have Eyes, I mean he's he's probably pushing seventy, eighty at this oh, point. Oh yeah. And he's he's got like the like maybe smoked and drank a little bit too much kind of voice over time. So it's kind of weird to think about him as like a a radio personality in the sense that like typically if you're gonna cast like a voiceover role for like a radio role, you're gonna want somebody with like an appealing voice mm-hmm. or like somebody that's kind of upbeat. Or maybe they've just got kind of a sexy tone to their voice. Uh, this guy is not that. But conversely, I think he has some of the strongest dialogue in this movie. And some of the stuff he says, especially when he's telling uh, the dad the story about Papa Jupe and fucking busting his face open with a tire iron shit. And even just the line, there will be hell to pay now, I think is just like so fucking iconic yeah. and is... It's like, delivery, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's deli- and I think that's probably you get that from doing radio. Is you 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 get a, a sense of how to deliver lines in a commanding way, right? And yeah, he's he's he's. I think he's just perfectly cast in this and has like some of the best dialogue and has one of like the the scene where he gets pulled out the window after his big dialogue about Papa Jupe. I think is one of the most effective jump scares like in a good chunk of like horror movies here, especially if you watch an older version where the audio isn't really cleaned up that well, Mm -hmm. because you get you get kind of a cue that like before the jump scare happens that somebody's outside the window and this whole time we've kind of just been listening to Stedman talk about uh, the, the fucking horrible backstory with like all this stuff. And it's sad and depressing and you get real wrapped up into it. And then he gets ripped out a goddamn window and everybody's screaming and the music jumps super loud. And I, I just think that's like one of the most effective jump scares. Like de- definitely at the time when I had seen this, that that scared the fucking hell out of me. Mm-hmm. It still it still kind of gets me every time I see it. So that's. That's always that's always really exciting, but 
Yeah, man, I love this movie. This is one of my favorite horror movies of all time, and I was really excited to rewatch this because it had been a couple years since I'd seen it. There's just something really charming and effective and iconic about this whole movie. Um, and it just, it's just it's a perfect storm where everything kind of worked to their advantage. Like, like 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 we said, the the cheap 16 millimeter film stock that they use that makes it look vaguely like a porn movie. Um, the fact that they shot it out in the Mojave desert, which is both like really ugly in that there's like nothing out there, but like once they start getting up into the rocks and stuff, man, a lot of this just like reminded me of my childhood, just wandering around in the fucking mountains up behind my parents' house and just the, the, the brutal way nature presents itself. Like, I mean, these, the, the, and that's where the title comes from. The Hills have eyes. The rocks themselves are warning you stay the fuck away <laughs> from this place. Like there are poisonous snakes and like every single square foot of this, like part of the world is oh The only purpose it serves is to fucking kill you basically. And then you throw in cannibals. And it's just like, man, like they, they, they really like, they were really on to something with this fucking movie. Like, it really is. I think it, it's the weird thing about it is how well it holds up. I think, like, I, I think of a lot of movies of this era of this time that are as as cheaply shot as this because the, the Wes Craven didn't have a lot of money to spend in this one. And I, I think the fact that you can do this immaculate blurry transfer of it and sit down and still be engrossed with what's happening, still have the impact, and and still be, at times, understand and feel the peril that the movie puts out right in your bones, I think is a testament to, to its enduring legacy. I think it's a great movie. Where are we grading this one, then? Uh, same grades as before. Uh, is it a um, hard time? Community service, slap on the wrists, or a case dismissed? Um... Man, I, I I can't in good conscience rate this higher than Mark of the Devil because mm-hmm. Mark of the Devil is infinitely gorier and I think to a degree more disturbing than this one. This one's actually like a lot of fun. I mean, aside from like how super fucking nasty it can be at times, like if you kind of just go along for the ride, I, I can't imagine being in a theater in this came out like 78, 79, something like that. Um, I can't, I can't imagine being in a theater or watching this, like with a crowd full of people. I'm sure they fucking lost their minds when this movie played at first is, it's, it's one of those things I wish I could, wish I had a fucking DeLorean and I could go back in time and watch this for the first time with a big crowd of people seeing it for the first time. Cause I'm sure it was super effective, but yeah, if, if I was like the, the, the censors in the UK and like putting this list together, I couldn't. This is definitely a Section 3 movie. Like, I mean, it's it's got its nastiness, but Mark of the Devil is infinitely gorier and I think more depressing and sad. Like, this this is kind of like a fun roller coaster, like, ghost house kind of, like, movie. So, I mean, I'd probably give this a slap on the wrist. I mean, even the remake, I think, takes, like, the the nastier elements of this one and, like, takes it way, way farther, especially the... You know the the fucking rape scene in the trailer mm-hmm. is is pretty brief and more implied than anything in the original, and I, I I think just like you know even just taking that stretching that out like an extra five or ten seconds in the remake makes it infinitely more disturbing. So 
Yeah, man, I, I think this is a slap on the wrist. I'm with you 100%. It's a slap on the wrist for me for pretty much all the reasons you say. I'm not... I, I, weirdly, it's the it's the Azure movie that I, I can't get behind. Um, really? I, yeah, it's, I, I don't... I, I think the what, it falls into a trap that a couple of movies do in, in that time period of the remakes where it takes what is a exploitation movie and makes it a torture porn movie. And that that transition, I I never felt was like the the nasty the nasty shit that's happening to people in the hills of eyes are not what the movie is predicated on completely. There's still like a good grounding in story and whatnot, and the remake to me feels like every opportunity to do the nasty shit on the screen, which is I it kind of kind of drops me out a little bit from from I, I don't hold it as high as other people do. Um, I I haven't seen it in a few years, to be fair, but I remember really liking it. Oh, there's it when a couple of scenes. Out. There's a couple of the shotgun scene is fucking incredible in it. Like to this day, maybe one of the better practical effects in the last twenty years. Like I genuinely think it's incredible. But like I say, it's it's just a transition. It's the same with something like I spit in your grave. I spit in your grave is a you know as a, a exploitation movie, rape revenge. But when you watch that. The, the remake is a, it's an out and out torture porn movie it's being yeah. like it's like everything is ramped up to 11 and I, I just to me that's not the the point of the original the the original uh, weirdly is more effective to me in that a lot of the stuff is kind of the way the camera doesn't show you things uh, whereas in the remakes it's like see look look with your dirty eyes um, right and that, that to me kind of lessens it to an extent. It's still a good movie. It's just like the original to me is on such a higher level. It operates on a higher level for me. Um, but yeah, I, I will agree with you on Slap on the Wrists for that. Right, so we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we will be telling you what two movies we're covering in one month's time. We're going to be doing that right after this. <laughs> As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty. This has been Season 2, Episode number 3, looking at Mark of the Devil and a little bit of the hills have eyes. Mark, did you enjoy this week? Did that did that bring you back? Well, did did you see the me, the meme I posted oh, in the, the doing the nasty thing. Facebook <laughs> book of Gordon Ramsay? Oh, delicious! Finally, some good fucking movies. And I, I think to a degree, we're kind of we're kind of brushing off um, the last horror film, which I, we were both pretty high on when we when we saw that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, nothing. This there's nothing that we've watched so far that is good as good as The Hills Have Eyes for sure. And Mark of the Devil is just such a fucking pleasant surprise, like, and how how fucking insane it was. I think Mark of the Devil is probably the most 
violent and probably offensive movie that we've watched on this show so far. I would agree, yeah. Um, <laughs> in in the in the right ways. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, Doctor, uh, wait, what was this called? The Love Butcher. Uh, it, it offended me in very unpleasant ways, in mm-hmm. ways that made me want to fucking punch the director. <laughs> um, not not so much with Mark of the Devil. I, I think they were doing doing a good service by uh, kind of reminding people about some of the darker times in humanity's histories, which is always important, I think. Um, but yeah, this is so far. These are the, I think the two best movies we've watched on this show by a long shot. But the, the good thing is we, we got more shows coming up, and I'm pretty sure there's other movies that I hold in just as high regard as The Hills Have Eyes, if not more so. so. Yeah, th- that won't be in the next episode then. So the, oh, the, two, oh, damn. <laughs> the two movies will cover next. I've never heard of either one of them, and after reading the synopsis, which I'm going to do just now for you, you're going to see that I'm not exactly filled with confidence. Uh, the first movie we'll be doing in a month's time is Mansion of the Doom. Doomed from 1976. Same, well, pretty much the same time period as Hills Have Eyes. Uh, synopsis is an insane surgeon finds himself up to his armpits and eyeballs after guilt prompts him to begin removing the eyes of the abducted people in hopes of performing transplants on his daughter who lost her own in a car accident he caused. Right? Oh, and it's, no. the, the theme is eyes on the next episode because we're pairing it with the headless eyes which I, <laughs> I, I joked before is just silly um, which the synopsis for this one is a is bad english as well it says poor artist gets eyes gouged it's like a, a mexican trying to explain it poor artist gets eye gouged out when committing a robbery when his eye heals he goes on a killing spree and cuts out women's eyes with a spoon it's from 1971. So, this is always gonna be women. God. <laughs> it's gonna be another fucking love butcher. God, I can tell already. The love butcher soon will right, be well, making th- another. <laughs> <laughs> Those both sound about as much fun as a root canal, but I'm, I'm gonna go in with an open mind as much as much as I can. You know, it's it wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong about something or been pleasantly surprised by something, but. Uh, you know, eh, fuck it. You know, the, the the world's in a really weird place, so we might as well throw some more weirdness into it. If if we're all still around by next fucking month, oh, maybe maybe we won't. You never know. Um, the, the good news is the episode after it has uh, it has graduation day, which is PCs level quality, man. It really pairs perfectly with PCs and Midnight, which is actually a surprisingly good movie as well. So, um, so we only have to get through. April to bask in some better quality movies and well Graduation Day is not a great movie but you will laugh all your way through it you will laugh all, right. all the way all right. I can promise Duncan always making things a little bit more positive than they seem at first that's that's, that's why we're friends that's what I've got to do right Mark there you are active on the social media so where can people check your stuff out uh, find me on the Instagrams. I've been making some fairly subversive action figure art lately that has been getting like almost no response because I think people just don't want to think about things that are going on in the real world. And I'm taking advantage of the situation and being like, you know, this is inspiring some great art, like mm-hmm. I've been saying over and over again through this whole show. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be mildly depressed or at least, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, at best uh, entertained by some some sweet action figure and horror art that I've been making, that's fancy underscore Mark. 
on the Instagrams. Uh, I'm going to use the rest of my little time here to give shout outs to say, go support some fucking movie companies and some music labels, uh, especially music labels, man. The fucking like the entire, you know, legion of fucking bands and stuff out there that make their living going on tour and stuff is in real hot water right now. So if you know of a band that's been affected by the, all this shit and you want to support them, go, go to their website or go to Bandcamp, buy a fucking shirt or buy an album, put a few bucks in those guys' pockets. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with if you've got like a local bar that you really like, go find it, see if they've got like a GoFundMe or something and help those guys out. Uh, I know the Legion podcast friends of ours have a GoFundMe set up to help anybody that's on there that's, you know, been affected by this, might be out of work or something. Do do some good in the world. We've been, man, it's been like four years of just like the ugliest side of humanity coming out to the point where like it's, I really have to, I really have to make myself watch, you know, stuff like we do for fucking doing the nasty <laughs> because I'm already just so goddamn depressed about what's going on in the world that like, you know, it's it's not like when I was a kid and I'd be eating this shit up. It's mm-hmm. it's like, uh, all right, I got to get in the right headspace for something like Mark of the Devil. It's very well, very much going to fuck me up when I watch it. So, yeah, do, do do a little bit of good in the world, you know, help people out. Go talk to your neighbors, check on your loved ones, all that stuff. Uh, it's a it's a weird, ugly world. and We all need a little bit of help from time to time. So Amen. I, I'd say go go do that. Amen, Mark Ball. Right, ladies and gents, we are going to be back in one month's time, coming back with another two Tier 3 video nasties. But until then, please take care of yourselves. Can't stress that enough. Uh, And we look forward to bringing you more entertainment and more of probably our video misery Um, (laughs) in one month's time. But until then, this is Duncan from Doing the Nasty saying catch you later. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.